and welcome to Brighter Business, the Oakland podcast. This is the podcast where we chat to interesting people about the big changes that are shaping organisations and industries. I'm Katie Kelly, a consultant here at Oakland, and today we're going to be talking about mental wellness in the workplace, which is particularly timely with World Mental Health Day this Sunday, the 10th of October, and one of our CSR partners, Young Minds, celebrating Hello Yellow this Friday too. At Oakland, we're incredibly fortunate to work in a business that places such high value on ensuring our colleagues' mental wellness is at the top of their agenda. We'll be learning more about this and why it's so important with one of our people managers, Ty Patel. And we also have Amy King joining us, who is the co-founder of People Matter Technologies, which supports positive mental well-being for individuals and organisations. So without further ado, welcome Ty and Amy. Hello, good to be here. Thanks for introducing us, Katie. Yeah, really nice to be here. Thanks, Katie. So the overall objective of World Mental Health Day is to raise awareness of mental health issues around the world and to mobilise efforts in support of mental health. The day provides an opportunity for everybody working on mental health issues to talk about their work and what more needs to be done to make mental health care a reality for people worldwide. So to kick us off, can you both let me know why it's so important to you and particularly why it's so important in the workplace? I'm happy to jump in. Um, so, um, yeah, hi everyone, Amy King, um, as Katie said, one of the co-founders here at People Matter. And I guess for me personally, I've got two tracks that make this so important to me. Um, on the one hand, I'm a business psychologist, so I'm fascinated by, you know, the factors that help us be our best, but also the things that can also lead to us you know, ultimately not being at our best as well. Um, so I've spent the last 10, 15 years working with individuals and organisations around how we do that and how we get that right. Um, and at People Matter, um, our whole mission is to create a more caring world. It's incredibly difficult, I think, today in modern society with technology and just the level of disruption and change that we're all grappling with, let alone the pandemic. And so many of us are, are really grappling with our mental health every day. We all have it, so it can be great, but it can also be really difficult. So we work with organisations to build healthier, more sustainable cultures where we can avoid things like burnout occurring and ultimately empower individuals to take more control of their mental health um, so that it's more sustainable, like I said. So that's kind of one track, which I'll talk about more, I'm sure, as we, we kind of get through this. But the other side is, I think for me personally, you know, we've all got friends and family that we know of who have been through things. It's it's part of life. I think what really woke me up personally was I, I did in my career go through quite a, a serious bout of burnout personally. And the irony of that was I'd done my MSc and my dissertation on burnout. So despite knowing all about it and being a psychologist, you know, you're not, um, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through something like that and is a very gradual thing that can develop it you know, it, it can also be very difficult when it does. So so my personal mission has really been to help eradicate it happening. It's obviously not going to be completely gone ever, but there's a lot that we can do to raise awareness and, and be more proactive and preventative in our lives and in our work uh, to address that. So, yeah, it's incredibly important um, personally, but also in, in what I'm trying to hopefully make a difference to. So, yeah. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Nobody is immune. Um, and that's what we're all here to talk about, how we can provide support when people do go through those struggles. So Ty, can you elaborate a bit on why it's so important to you? Yeah, I think picking up on that, even on the best days, stress can prevent us from being fully focused and doing our best work. Too much of it can lead, as you say, to burnout, disengagement, more sick days and strained relationships in the workplace. In the wake of COVID, 
it's never been more critical for us to address the mental well-being of our teams head on for greater engagement and our ability to engage and perform better. Yeah, for sure. One of the reasons I actually joined Oakland about two years ago was because of the strong focus they have on supporting colleagues' mental well-being. Before joining, it was clear to see from things like LinkedIn and our website how important this is, this is to us. And even more apparent now, I'm actually within the organisation and has been so important, as you mentioned, Ty, over the last year in particular, as we navigated the pandemic. So Ty, would you mind just giving us a bit more context on why it's so important to Oakland and a flavour of the things we do to support mental wellness? Yes, certainly. I think consulting has a high performance culture and attracts driven people. There is a danger that people who work too hard and don't get enough downtime Um, It's a trap that's easy to fall into. As you mentioned, Katie, Oakland is special as everyone looks out for each other. Our leadership team are visible role models and genuinely try to do their best to look out for everyone. I think this was particularly noticeable um, during the pandemic and during lockdown, um, where you could see that everyone was doing their best, not just the partners, but to look out for each other. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it sounds like Oakland has in a consulting world, being incredibly proactive. And I think, you know, any client-facing organisation, any professional services, I mean, there's all sorts of roles. You look at the NHS and the service industry as a whole. And, you know, it's it's not just a job, it's a lifestyle that you're really kind of part of. And you're at the demands of what's happening around you. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm keen to hear more about Oakland. And I'm sure we're going to get into a lot of that today. And, uh, yeah, it's... I think we have to talk about it because if you just leave it to chance, if you just let things, you know, run as as the way in which it can every day, you know, work or client demands or, you know, just society and modern life can run new. And that's when I think it can become really overwhelming. And it's the first time I think we've really had to really think about it more or think, you know, adjust our behaviours and and in our workplaces find ways to adjust or put in better boundaries and healthier practices and and even just show a level of care it makes the world of difference doesn't it and and I think that's what Oakland do so well in that it's genuine when they ask questions and they ask how you're doing how how you're doing really they they do make time to get to know you as an individual and to really care about you as a you know as a person as opposed to just an employee we, we offer a full suite of um assistance to our employees we offer EAP we offer um for those that that don't know what EAP is employee assistance program thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, we have a suite of qualified psychotherapists therapists counsellors who are available on a helpline they can triage and provide early interventions um, and all our employees can take advantage of that Um, we offer so much that we try and signpost I try and signpost regularly but I think that's great to do an induction to tell everyone where everyone is and the difference that Oakland have is it's not just a tick box at the beginning of an induction program it's it's the care that we we put into asking people how they are um regularly whether that's sending tea bags with a personalized biscuit to everyone to to try and encourage everyone to stop and have an informal virtual cup of tea with people they haven't spoken to at all for a while um, as opposed to just offering the the private medical insurance scheme that has mental health cover as well as a stronger mind service where members can access counselling or treatment. It's, it's that bit that we do internally 
as all our employees. I'll jump in because I, I find it fascinating hear about it, hearing about it. Um, we talk a lot about systematic well-being and I think we've been going through a massive shift in evolution from a workplace HR people perspective over the last 10, 20 years. Obviously, there was a lot of awareness around engagement and the importance of that. Now we're going through a similar era around mental well-being and support and, and what's needed for people. Um, but even within that, if I look back to three years ago, as you were saying, uh, Ty, around there's lots of benefits that you can provide. There's support services like EAP. You know, they're really good foundational stuff that you just want to get right and they're almost not non-negotiables now but I think the challenge today and this is what we hear all the time that organizations are trying to work out is how you go beyond that to into the everyday sense of care the everyday conversations the way that work gets done you know ultimately if you're just putting not you guys um, but you know organizations you can't just rely on those benefits to be the answer um, and actually they don't always deal with the core of a problem sometimes sometimes it's working practices the culture um, and leadership behavior that you have to really address and they're hard things to to kind of make a change on so a lot of organizations at the moment are really trying to make that headway at the moment to break down the barriers open up you know empathy and understanding and compassion but then also be much more focused around you know addressing core aspects of work that could be impacting mental health not just mental health in a time of struggle but in a way that how do we get people to be at their best in a point of, of, of flourishing um so yeah just hearing you talk there just i think that covers such a broad range of things and and that's what we hear all the time i hear all the time are, are the things that organizations are trying to work out how much you offer and what more you can do or, you know what where's the line in that and having those conversations can be really difficult it, it's not it's not something that can come naturally to people to have those opening conversations about how people are doing and I, but i do think it it is important and it is we, we put a pack together at oakland to to help look for the signs of what people that are, are stressed could look like and what questions, what opening, leading questions that people could ask to make them feel comfortable to open up to, to each other, um, not just for the partners to the employees, but peer-to-peer as well. Yeah, Amy, you touched on something and you, bo- you both did actually, both Ty and Amy, leadership and the importance of being exemplary and kind of actually demonstrating those behaviours, asking someone if they're okay, but asking them, okay, again if they're okay we had an event last week our first face-to-face event in 18 months and we were discussing how human-centric the workplace is going to be as we move forward into this new new normal the hybrid working world and something that came up time and time again is we have to continue asking people how they are that's become something that we've been really good at at Oakland during the pandemic and I, I hope it will continue and as you mentioned the leadership are absolutely hot on doing that and so so is everybody else asking their colleagues as well I think that that's kind of the, the minimum the basics as well 100% and uh, but there's also such a mix up there as well um, it sounds like there's some really amazing things happening obviously within Oakland and but I'm sure there's lots of people thinking my leaders aren't like that and what do I do about that or perhaps you are a leader and you're trying to actually get the balance right but and it's really tough being a leader because you've got all these contending factors all the time lots of pressures are on the business but also you're on stage all the time and you've got all your home life and everything else to deal with too um but the 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 kind of simple truth is if you're not prioritizing your own mental health as a leader if you're not really conscious that every single day whether you know 
know it or not, you are having an impact on people and that can be for better or for worse. If you think right now in your day, you will have affected someone in some way and we all do in a way that could be positive or negative. Um, But when we're busy, when we're stressed, when we've got a lot going on, we can often take these shortcuts or work longer hours or send emails at odd times or we're short with someone and we're irritable with someone or we haven't taken the time, as you say, Katie, to really check in and see how people are, how you are, how are you really? Um, And interestingly, it's not just, I think, leaders. Uh, I had a conversation with a client the other day and uh, I know that client, they're particularly stretched as as we often see our colleagues are and clients. And uh, I said, how are you? And she she was like, fine. And I said, how are you really? And she was like, actually, I'm really not fine. And first of all that was a moment of wow okay you're not okay and you know we actually just spent 20 minutes just talking which you know it sounds so simple but that sense of connection of yeah I understand and I've been through that and actually I'll tell you a bit and you know it doesn't have to feel so hard and she actually changed her day off the back of that but also it just goes to show that if you just really take a moment it, it, it can make the world a difference by the end of the call she was I think it's just knowing you're heard or knowing you can speak and that you're not bottling it up. It's such a simple thing. Um, and if you're stressed or you're, you know, you're really burning out, you're struggling, it's completely normal and human. It doesn't mean you're not good at what you do. Um, so, yeah, leadership obviously plays a key role. But equally, you know, leaders can be some of the biggest challenges and sometimes the problem for workplace culture and mental health at work because you know the shadow can be the wrong kind of shadow and and sets the wrong tone. I love that she turned her day around just on the back of that conversation as well it's amazing how in my personality trait is if I'm getting that from somebody else if I'm getting that negative energy it can impact the whole rest of my day my productivity suffers as a result of it um, so just a, a small interaction with somebody in the workplace that is st- stressed, even if I'm not, can have that impact on me, which is quite hard to overcome. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, I think, it, yeah, it's that humanness, Katie, as you said, that makes the world a difference. And when we don't have that, that's when we feel most insecure. We feel most anxious. You know, we can feel like we're having to perform and we get that sense of imposter syndrome that you're you know they're gonna find me out I can't really do it but you know anxieties and these stresses we all have them all the people that you look at that are inspiring or that you think they've got it together everyone has a story and you know they could be looking great and actually behind the scenes they're not or equally you have a meeting and someone's off with you but actually there's some really you know there's some really difficult stuff they're going through Um, but talking and opening it up or you know, at least having some sense of um, empathy or benefit of the doubt sometimes is something we, we I think we, we can all benefit from, obviously. Never underestimate the power of a pause, I think. I'm sure there's a book titled that somewhere. Um, but pause and actually ask people how they are and get, get to the bottom of what's really going on. As you say, it's, it's not often as rosy as it seems on the surface. If there's not a book, I think that would be a great book to write. Yes, there we go. My next (laughs) venture. (laughs) Thank you both. The theme of this year's World World Mental Health Day is mental health in an unequal world, enabling us to focus on the issues that perpetuate mental health inequality locally and globally. Uh, So can you both tell us a bit about what that means to you, mental health in an unequal world? Very happy to, yes. So, I mean, it's, it's a very broad topic I think in an unequal unequal world I think 
uh, it kind of I think the first thing for me is we all have a story and it's almost in its first right just compassion and empathy and getting to who is the real person who you're talking to every single day Um, but equally you know there are so many different groups of people who because of their sexual orientation their ethnicity their backgrounds you know the uh, social demographic they're from it is just so much harder and it could be through discrimination it could be through uh, less opportunity less access to network you know we're all fortunate to be here today and feel very well educated but when you look at the statistics around poor mental health uh, you know there are so many people from minority groups who are struggling much more when you look at the statistics um, than perhaps what you class as majority groups so um, I think for me it's easy to to put people in boxes but I don't think we, we should focus on that too much in terms of different groups different people but the reality is that I think there is there is an empathy that we need to develop for people in terms of where they're coming from and what they're up against the barriers and helping to overcome that um that that's a big part of it I'd say on the one side um but yeah I, yeah equally just from a personal perspective I think it's just connecting directly with people to make sure that there is equal opportunity um, and just to not assume that you know and within organisations we have to do better and we have to do more and if we just stick with the status quo of what's been for 20 years we are not going to address this issue we absolutely need to you know, take a stand and put in better, fairer systems in our organisations. We have to raise awareness and we have to create more openness within our cultures on our organisations because if you just leave it and stick with the old way of doing things, it won't change. And ultimately, organisations, people, we're all going to be better where we are fairer, more understanding and we're we're supporting each other. So I, I guess that was a fairly broad answer. But I guess the final part I'd say is there's an, I think also for young people, I have a huge amount of um, empathy for, for, I think, right now, particularly with the pandemic, just how difficult it will be coming into the workplace. You know, it's hard enough anyway, uh, just trying to make your way in life with whatever opportunities you've had. Um, we've got social media and all these pressures and, you know, everything feels like it's on a stage to, to socially compare. And there's lots of statistics around, again, poor mental health in relation to social media and, and that sort of pressure. Obviously, young people are equally much more open to mental health. But I think particularly within workplaces, the remote working set up, the anxiety that people are developing, you know, becoming more familiar and desensitised to some of these things that feel quite scary. It's, I think it's very difficult for young people looking for opportunities and looking to kind of find their way at the moment. So, so I think it's, we've got to be quite broad in the way that we think about the unequal world peace and just really look at where, where we build empathy and understanding for all types of people of all types of backgrounds. And equally, sometimes you don't know you know someone's got that story or you know a disability that's not seen or whatever it is and you know we've just got to be very aware of that so I'll stop waffling now but uh, there you go. It's interesting that you you touched on young people and mental health so one of our CSR partners is Young Minds. Ty I don't know if you if you want to talk a little bit about about that. Yes we've we've worked very closely with Young Minds for a number of years I think this is the third year we've supported the Hello Yellow initiative Um, I think there's 11 people signed up for Tough Mudder this year. And uh, for those that aren't comfortable running in fields and getting through mud, we've also set a daily challenge of 7,000 steps to donate to Young Minds via the Scooch app. 
um, it's really interesting some of the things that that, that you said um, about how fortunate we are uh, during this going back to the, the theme of inequality um, locally and globally we are lucky to be able to access all the initiatives that we can offer our employees however the lack of investment in mental health is disproportionate to the overall health budget and the stigma and discrimination experienced by people who experience mental ill health not only affects the person's physical and mental health but the stigma also can affect their educational opportunities as you mentioned, their future ability to, to work and their job prospects, um, but also affects their families and loved ones. And this inequality really does need to be addressed because it shouldn't be allowed to continue. We all have a role to play to address these disparities and ensure that people with these lived experiences of, of mental health are fully integrated in all aspects of life. Um, I think it's really interesting because at Oakland, everybody works on internal projects um, to create that sense of ownership in what the company does and everyone's genuine and willing to help others picking up on that theme. Being a small firm we try hard and have great pride in our flat work environment and our structure creating the camaraderie and encouragement to maintain a healthy work-life balance as much as possible. Actually you, you have raised I think a point within that which is for me also really key so there's the the different groups and thinking about fairness and equality etc and how it different situations can potentially exacerbate mental health but there's the other side of it which is actually access to support and I don't have the stat to hand but when you actually look at people who are really struggling on poor mental health whether it's for financial reasons fear the number of people who actually then get help and have access to resources it's really scary how low that is. I think it is changing, particularly, like I said, generation, generationally at the moment. But broadly speaking, there are a lot of people who are very alone still grappling with what they are. And it can be very hidden. You know, people can show up and look fine every day, but, but they're not. There's a bunch of stuff going on behind. And so I think it is as much about awareness, but it is as also around access to those support systems and that those barriers aren't there, whether it's fear and stigma or whether it's the kind of financial side. And again, that's where organisations can play such a big role because that's an investment in people that helps take away that burden. And I'd love to think that in the same way that organisations provide corporate gym memberships and you know all the physical space that we're all very comfortable with these days, it should be exactly the same for mental health. And there's some great work being done now on that, but we have got a long way to go. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, to pick up on that we're really lucky that we we have such a great work lifestyle at Oakland just by being in the four buildings that that offer us so much in terms of the free gym and all the other you know healthy snacks available um uh, and and just a, a great office to work in we touched on how much more there is to do both from making sure that mental health support is available to all um and the fact that it's only, I say only just, it's recently, and again, I don't have the stat to hand, become top of organisations' agenda to think about mental wellness. And the pandemic has definitely um, fast-forwarded that. But there is so much more to do. So what do we think has to be done? How can we continue supporting mental wellbeing in the workplace? Amy? 
do you mind taking that one first? I'm very happy to. And uh, uh, where do I start? So I guess, I mean, number one is there has to be a genuine, authentic commitment that comes right from the top from the organisation. It's very difficult, even if you have a very group, a very passionate group, sorry, of people who want to take this on. And actually, that's often how this starts or has started to date. Um, If you really, as an organisation, want to address this, then it has to come from the top. Um, As soon as you get the disconnect from this is the initiative and the strategy and the language and the communication that we're trying to create versus a, a kind of gap with leadership that's where people really say well are you serious about this so number one is really think about what it means to you if you're a leader of a business or as an organization why is this important so you have to pin it strategically um, from the very from the very moment that you think about this um Now, that said, I think in how you kind of move through this, there's lots of different ways you can get started. Starting somewhere is always better than nowhere. There's lots of grassroots initiatives. There's networks that are really powerful in just connecting people together. Um, They are often run by employee groups um, and they're amazing in terms of people feeling connected. Um, There's obviously policies you can develop and, you know, all these kind of bonus benefits and um, initiatives that we've kind of discussed to some extent today. Um, The bit, though, that for me is, I think, still very immature in this space in workplaces is really bringing more tangibility from a measurement perspective and an insight perspective around, you know, trying to reveal and understand a bit more how healthy or what the current state is um, within your organisation around where people are at. And by that, it's not just how people are feeling, because that, that is also very personal. There's only so much that you can really ask. But it's looking at you know the environment that you're creating for your people and that do you really have a good read of you know how healthy and stimulating and positive the environment is to help people flourish? Or, you know, and or the read that you have on potentially where you could have some more toxic or potentially more challenging and even quite damaging practices that can really, you know, over time uh, undermine mental health. Um, And obviously, I talked about burnout right at the beginning here. So I've got some personal experience, but also the psychology of this is important too. Um, you know, working long hours you know, having volatile change, which is poorly communicated, um, constant interruption, distraction, distraction and demands that are unexpected. You know, a lot of people can thrive onto that for a period of time. I did for a period of time. I loved it. But there's only so much that people can do. And the question for organisations is how do you sustain pace? How do you sustain growth? How do you sustain performance that you're trying to achieve? How do you sustain your client relationships and commitments? And just pushing people past their limits or pushing yourself to a point for too long that it's too much that's where it's it can get quite dangerous so you know there is a, a need to understand that but measurement data insight allows it to be more tangible allows you to say well not just how healthy it is but are there particular parts of the organization that are struggling more than others or are there particular things that people are struggling with more than others um, for one one part pressures and you know demands might be healthy but perhaps they're lacking the stuff that is really important for them to thrive like support and meaning and control and freedom or perhaps it's work-life balance um, and switching off effectively so you know there's a lot in the psychology of it but you know without very tangible data without you know science and kind of an informed approach to where are you at any well-being solutions that you put in place they're all going to be doing something for someone but you also want to understand the impact of that or where the need is and where your focus is best put when you have very limited resources so 
you know this is the journey that I think we're on at the moment so you know naturally with my role and with what we do at People Matter that's that's what we specialize in is how to do that really well and to start with where an organization is and to build up towards you know best practice so to speak but uh, yeah so it's a blend of all those things measurements one part you know at the end of the day unless you decide to do something with that insight it can be quite meaningless so you have to have that's where the buy-in from leadership the strategy investing proactively getting some grassroots programs in you know all of that comes together to make a difference um so yeah it's not just reactive you want to be looking across the full spectrum of it all i'm glad you said that because um when i first joined a year ago one of the first things that we did uh, last September was run an employment uh, well-being survey, not an engagement survey, but a well-being survey. And I'm in the process of drafting one up now, uh, even though the timing of it couldn't be worse because everybody's so busy. But I think it's really important that we get a pulse check. We also, um, I think back in April, ran some focus groups to see how everybody was feeling and how everyone felt about coming back and returning into the, into the office environment. It's funny because I've seen firsthand, you talk about the leadership involvement, I've seen firsthand how much the leadership team at Oakland do support our employees who are who are struggling. Um, but I take your point that you mentioned earlier, I think if there's still work to be done, it, it's about encouraging more one-to-ones, more regular check-ins um, and, and finding a good way for us to keep an eye on how people are doing in terms of their well-being, whether that's through the Pulse wellbeing survey or just doing more to continue to promote a culture where there's no stigma on mental health, where people feel that they can discuss mental health more openly and have that trust um, in being able to open up confidentially if, if needs be, or that the services that we're providing will let them have that confidential um, base point to, to go and check in. I, I really like that. The, the, so you again, you've touched on the manager piece here, which is, and this is, I think, something that everyone's that we've gone through the kind of rah-rah post-pandemic mental health is important we all get it and well broadly speaking I think everyone does I'd hope so um and now it's into yeah what can we do and there's been some great support initiatives out but now I think a lot of managers are feeling that pressure of how do I do a better job you know how do I deal with the situation if someone's coming to me or how can I you know how, how does this fit within my role now I think that the role of a manager is significantly changing and you know, it's it's not hugely different in that you're really always as a manager there to help support your team and to help them, you know, be productive and perform. But obviously mental health, which is how we feel, our emotions, our mental state, the internal narrative of how we're thinking about our work and ourselves, all of that plays in, funnily enough, in terms of our productivity and our performance. So managers having that empathy and that support at the right points, if it's a time of struggle, or even just taking an interest in someone with, you know what what's important to them you know that's just as important um but a lot of managers you know end up in that role without the training without the support and it's a skill set that you have to develop and it's really hard to do and we all learn the hard way most of the time but uh, yeah again the more we can encourage and support that it's it's great to hear that that sort of um that sort of activity is underway within Oakland. It's interesting that you, you point that out because Oakland partner with an organisation called the Chartered Management Institute on We've done a lot, lots of digital events and, and hope to continue to do so. And the whole premise of CMI is preparing managers to be managers and leaders because often people fall into that role without any support or learning or best practice 
and how to do that. It's a completely different skill set from being a really good change manager or a really good project manager to then managing a group of people, let alone supporting someone that might be having mental health difficulties or just generally making sure that everybody is mentally well. It's it's a minefield and people are expected to just understand how to do it. So the more support we can provide people, the better, definitely. 100%. And final thought is just... I was speaking to a HR director the other day and, and her main challenge is how to enable that ch- that exact point around how do we help managers transition, but also in a period of continuous change. They're not looking at change anymore in a way that it's a one-off or just a programme. It is obviously just the way that things happen now. So it means that you're not just having to grapple with those skills and those one-to-ones and the adjustment of being a manager or moving up to you know in in any kind of way and what you're doing as a job it's also how do you grapple with all these kind of times of uncertainty and curveballs and it naturally creates more anxiety and it naturally means there's more pressure on a manager because you're dealing with the anxieties of your team and you're also having to represent the business so to speak um, and get the balance right so you know it plays through at all levels to be challenging but again it does just mean we can't not look at this we can't not build capability we can't not invest in it at all levels and I do think it's something that we can teach I think I think it's it's something that some people do so well and and just make that time before a meeting to to check in on a personal level we've had to do that virtually for for the last 18 months but making that that personalized time for somebody to build that trust to build that relationship and and actually get to know them um in, in that way that they can open up to you is is so important to to starting these conversations and and make you know issues of of mental health more normalized Thank you both for such interesting insights. Could we just close by you both providing, if you've got any last snippets of advice for the listeners, um, what important piece of advice when thinking about supporting employees' mental well-being or anybody's? We are all people at the end of the day, not just employees. So from a workplace perspective or otherwise, what would be your one last piece of advice? I think going back to the piece um, about talking about mental health, it can feel daunting, it can feel uncomfortable, but it's important to have the culture where those conversations about mental health can can be normalised and not de- not be deemed unprofessional or weak. 100%. It's really hard to package it up into one, of, one or two things, but I, I agree. To be honest, where, where my head was going just a minute ago was we're almost having to unpack and unlearn, I think, a lot of bad habits at the moment of the way you know, businesses, organisations have run for the last 50, 100 years because it was very transactional, it was very much industrialisation and it's actually just trying to reconnect with being just who we are and being human and trying to not be someone that you're not and whether you're a leader, whether you are just in your role, the more we align to our values, what we care about and the humanness of our work, which I think is what you were saying as well, Katie, and links to what you were saying there, Ty, about conversation, is it can feel hard to have a conversation and awkward, but just be you. And that I think almost just getting back to the basics of that and just creating some space to connect with that is really important. And there's lots of, you know, lots of things you can do, but I'd just say keep that at the heart of it and you know, a really simple exercise is if you were to write down on a piece of paper on one side who you want to be and who you want to be seen, you'd write some really cool things, I'm sure, and, you know, how you think you're seen. But then on the other side, if you write down 
what people don't know about you and that could be any challenge it could be what you care about you know that's your story that's what you're connecting with every day and what you're living with and you you know that and just remember that with everyone that you meet every day and uh yeah think about ways in which you can support I think people who might be struggling along the way too so I absolutely love that we're definitely going to do that as an exercise. I think. Yeah, I'm going to do it. One thing that, that ran through my mind when you were saying that is, is also the piece I, you touched upon it about um, working long hours and that culture of presenteeism. I do think lockdown has given us a, a, a moment to open our eyes and actually realise that it's the way of the world is changing and and you don't have to be present you don't have to you know get an extra bonus just because you've been working all weekend or working all night um it's about how productive how productive you can be and you can be even more productive if you look after yourself as well yeah absolutely and sometimes the best thing is to be not productive i would say just rest and do nothing is some of the best advice and work out what works for you not what you think you should be doing all that time it's it's what's going to work for you that moment of mindfulness yeah absolutely the power of the pause as we said earlier i love it (laughs) my new catchphrase thank you so much both for such an interesting conversation and mental wellness in the workplace and generally we know is such an important topic to raise awareness of and what a better time to do it with world mental health day and young minds hello yellow coming up so thank you so much for being able to help us explore how important that is and hopefully provide everyone a bit of an insight into both what Oakland and People Matter do to support organisations and their staff in doing that. Before finishing, just a quick plug to direct our listeners to Oakland's fundraising page on Just Giving, where we're collecting donations in support of Hello Yellow for Young Minds through our involvement in Tough Mudder, as Ty mentioned earlier. I'm definitely one of the people that will be doing the virtual Tough Mudder through stepping one foot in front of the other and it recording it on my phone rather than wading through dirt. Um, But if you do search Oakland on Just Giving, you'll be able to find out more about our initiative and show your support as well. So one final thank you to Ty and Amy. You've been amazing and I'm sure our listeners will agree. 